Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. This week is a holiday refresher of a previously released episode called Who Are You? It's about the power of communication and who should you talk to and and when. It's brought to you, as always, by Skyway Acquisition. Visit Skyway ACQ to learn more. All right, let's get started. One of our customers posted in a, a question in our Ask a Contracting Officer forum about when to contact the contracting officer when you're targeting a specific opportunity or, in this case, a specific agency. You mean like 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. or <laughs> at the lunch hour or at home at I, night, 7.30 p.m. I, I think night? it was. I think the post was actually in the evening, but the context they were asking for is when during the time zones. When should I be actually contacting the contracting officer? When's the right time to build a conversation with them? When during the acquisition process. Got it. And we were kicking around the Skyway team. We were kicking around our different experiences with this idea. In short, the answer was when to contact a contracting officer is going to depend on where you are in the acquisition process and how far along the acquisition is. And what kind of acquisition it is. There's, there's a lot of variables that go into that. Yeah, it's another one. Of, that's why it's an it depends answer. But we all agreed that there are many cases where we as former contracting officers had awarded contracts to companies that we didn't know until they submitted a proposal. Which is exactly opposite of what we talk about all the time in the podcast, which is do not bid on an RFP that you didn't know is coming out. If if you just find an FBO and you submit a proposal, we always yell about don't submit. The contracting officer doesn't know you. The government doesn't know you. You can't win if you're coming in that late in the process. There are two different pieces there. Does the contracting officer know you? Does the government know you? Those aren't the same thing. And that's kind of the point of this is as a contracting officer, I didn't know who the companies were, but the user, the customer, the evaluation team, the program manager, the rest of the team did. Somebody in the government knew it just didn't have to be me as the contracting officer. We talk about the, the three deciders, there's the economic decider, there's the user, and there's a the contracting officer. They don't all need to know who you are before you submit, but some of them, at least one of them does. Somebody should know. Before we figure out who should know, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this week to Carl Josephson from uh, Princip LLC. They're out of Clifton, Virginia. Princip's a small business. They're a professional services firm. Carl's the president of the company, and he's a longtime podcast listener and also a Skyway customer. I want to thank Carl specifically for consistently engaging with our content. He reaches out to us as needed for advice and input from our team of former COs. But Carl is effectively using the combination of the CO podcast, the Skyway community, and all of our content, as well as our consulting services. And that's really what I had envisioned you know, eight years ago when we put this company together, is people use all three pieces, and he's really doing that well. Thanks, Carl. Does the contracting officer need to know who you are, you being your company? The short answer is maybe. Like you talked about in the intro, it really depends on the acquisition process. It's not only the timing, but what kind of acquisition is it? Is it a transactional sale, like a government credit card or a delivery order against an existing contract? Maybe not. Or if it's a quote, meaning it's a simple sale that you just put in a quote and they just buy from you because that's what you do, maybe not. But if it's a proposal, it's more of a complex sale, and we have episodes about the difference between the complex and the simple sale, then Maybe. 
And if it's a source selection process, whether it's a FAR 15 source selection or a FAR 16.5 competition, which again, we have episodes about those, then it probably would help if the contracting officer knows who you are. But again, not necessarily until you submit your proposal. A lot of it is the technical complexity of, of what's being acquired. Is, is it easy to understand? Like you said, if this is a catalog type of buy, if this is something that the contracting officer can easily look up online and click a button, the actual knowing you and having that relationship probably isn't as important. But it might be important that the user knows who you are. Yeah, the, the person that's going to get their benefit that the contract is going to enable they should know who you are. Somebody needs to know who you are. It just doesn't always have to be the contracting officer, though it doesn't hurt. And it's not like the contracting officer is ever really completely out of the game. They're still responsible for the resulting contract. Yeah, they're just relying on more people. They're relying on more people for input, but at the end of the day, the contracting officer is responsible for the contractor responsibility determination, which we covered in episode 78. And basically what that's out of FAR 9.103B that says the contracting officer has to decide or determine that the contractor can do the work and is a responsible contractor. Side note, if it's a small business, then there's this thing called a certificate of competency that can do that. And we have an episode about that. It's episode 197. Okay, okay. I think we just hit the world record for number of previous episode call-outs. And <laughs> episode only drops. A, only a couple minutes into this one. I mean, I awarded a couple of contracts to offers that I had not heard of until their proposals came in. The one that comes to mind was a product contract, and it was about $25 million contract. It was a big deal. But when those companies submitted the proposal, everyone on the evaluation team knew them. Likewise, on a service contract, we ended up with three companies that we awarded these contracts to, and it was a down select from there. I'd only heard of one of them, but the other two were very well known. So just because the contracting officer doesn't know who you are doesn't mean that you haven't done your, your shaping. Likewise, if only the contracting officer knows who you are, it's going to be tough for the evaluation team to know who you are. So you have to balance all three of these. Again, it's a matter of complexity of the acquisition. Like you said before, the larger it is, the more complex it is. The contracting officer is relying on more people to help complete the evaluation. And those people can fill in the gaps for, does the contracting officer need to know you? They don't, but they know somebody that knows you. (laughs) It's like telephone game? That's funny. Right. All right, jumping to FAR time. In FAR 10.001, this is talking about market research policy, it says agencies shall conduct market research appropriate to the circumstances. If we're talking about smaller contracts, the market research that the FAR is contemplating might be done by the contracting officer. But for large contracts or technically complex contracts, it's normally not the contracting officer that's doing the market research. They may be curating it and documenting it, but they're not or shouldn't be out actually collecting it because they probably don't have the expertise. This is where the users come in or technical advisors, CETAs, systems engineering technical assistance folks that are in the government acquisition offices and program offices, they're, they're in there just to provide that expertise. And they're able to provide context to the market research. As a contracting officer, I didn't collect much of the, the info because sometimes I couldn't understand it, to your point. That's what those CETA support. They, their technical expertise. Sometimes I didn't have time to talk to all the industry people who could support it. And then, of course, 
there's the cynical part that sometimes I was leery of if I talk to this guy, then do I have to talk to this guy? And we talk about that on the podcast a lot is that you don't have to talk to everybody, but sometimes the perception is you do, and that becomes a distraction. So for those reasons, the contracting officer may not actually talk to anyone before the final RFP goes out. Now that we've done far time, let's jump to talking about the time zones, the acquisition and execution time zones. Where is this occurring in the time zones? For those not familiar with the time zones, the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode three, and the execution time zones are in episode 84. It's kind of a basic construct we use for all of our episodes. We are in the acquisition time zones when we're talking about does the contracting officer know you. If they've awarded the contract to you and you're in the execution time zones, they probably know who you are. They better know who you are by that point. By definition, they know who you are. By definition, right. We're talking about the market research zone. In the market research zone, this is where industry should get to know the government folks or advisors who know the requirement first, especially for technically complex things. Then once they've satisfied, yes, the government knows us and knows that we can satisfy the requirements, then let's get to know the folks who are going to select the acquisition strategy and make the decision. So that's where the contracting officer comes in. The reason this is critical is that if you go to the acquisition folks first before you have any context on whether or not you can do the work, you end up bidding on stuff that's not a fit for you because you can't do it. You can't do it well. You can't make money, whatever the reason is. Understand what the requirement is. And the contracting officer doesn't write the requirement. They execute the requirement. So if you start with them, you're going to get frustrated. And I got that a lot as a CEO. People would contact me about something that was coming out next year. We're not there yet. I'm not the person to talk to yet. Talk to the requirements, folks. Understand the requirement better before you come to me. The market research zone is the second of the acquisition time zones. After that comes the RFP zone, when the final RFP has been released. And this is where, like you said before, you've awarded contracts to companies that you hadn't heard of before the RFP zone. But it's much more likely that a company will get an award that is known during the market research zone than if their proposal surprises the government team. Yeah. Let's talk about why this is important. The contracting officer doesn't have the money. The economic decider does. The contracting officer doesn't have the requirement. The user does. The contracting officer doesn't have the solution. Industry does. So the contracting officer is coordinating all the players to select the contractor's solution that fulfills the user's requirement using the economic decider's money. Yeah, the simple way to think of that is while the contracting officer doesn't have those things we just talked about, what they do have is the ability, authority, and means to take all those needs of those people, put them together, and execute an actual solution. We're back to the technical sale versus business sale conversation. The economic decider, that is a part of the technical sale because they chose to spend the money on this. The user is part of the technical sale because they're the one that wants it. Industry is providing a technical solution. So that's all technical sale. Contracting officer is the business sale. That's the business sale side of it because that's where you figure out how is this going to be bought? What is the process to actually turn it into a contract? That's the business sale part. Sometimes that's only 5% of the overall process. But if you don't have that 5%, you don't have a contract. Despite the fact that we've already exceeded the record for former episode callouts, I got to say, technical sale versus business sale is a topic that you covered with Brian Burns in episode 222. That's right, triple two. So you just talked about the technical sale, the technical processes where all these other people are involved. And when you get to the business sale side of it, this is where the contracting officer gets back involved. 
Ironically, the contracting officer's contact information is the one that's listed all over the request for information and the RFP, all over the Federal Business Opportunities page. What we're saying is that's the last person you should talk to early in the process. It's the easiest contact information to find, but it's the least valuable if you don't know what to do with it. Knowing when to approach, contact, interact with, or pursue the different players in the acquisition process is largely dependent on the time zones. Where are you in the time zones and how complex is the acquisition itself or the, the, the product or service being acquired? That's one of the things we help our customers with is we, we give them context. We guide them through whom to contact and when so that they're not taking communication shots in the wrong direction. Let's get specific about why the government cares about when should I contact the CEO? When should the contracting officer be involved? Don't assume that industry knows that the contracting officer doesn't make the requirement. <laughs> what? One of our customers, that's why they came to us, is they were frustrated. They weren't getting responses from the contracting officer. They had built a relationship with him. They knew who they were. They'd, they'd gotten subcontracts through this office. They had two contacts at the office. They had effectively the user and the contracting officer. And once I explained to them that the contracting officer is going to execute what the user wants. So if you're trying to understand whether or not they're going to do anything this year, and you have a relationship with both of them, you have their email address, you've talked to both of them, you've met them in industry days, you know who they are. Start the conversation with the user because that's the one that's going to be able to tell you, yes, we're going to do this this year. The contracting officer is going to execute what the user wants. So understand the order of that. because if you And I got this a lot. I'm sure you did too. A lot of people would contact you looking for information on a requirement that wasn't out yet, you don't know. Until your customer tells you this is the order of precedence this year for our projects, it's an email that you're going to (laughs) delete. A lot of times the users come fully ready for the acquisition with the one thing that they want to buy. There's that. As a contracting officer, a really good plan is to let the users collect the market research so that they can learn who else could be proposing? Otherwise, you're just going to end up with, here's what we want to buy, go buy this and just this. That's one function of the small business specialist is that they'll go out and do the market research to find other companies that can do the work. So they sign off on the acquisition plan. And one of the things that they'll point out is, hey, this is not a sole source. Here are other companies that can do it. Point is, that isn't the contracting officer doing that. That's a small business specialist. That's one of their roles is to build a relationship with small businesses so that we don't have sole source contracts. So there are all these people that are in the process that aren't the CO that you should be talking to before the actual requirement hits RFP stage. And like you said, when the user comes with, this is the company that can do it, it makes us kind of cynical. I had one that was a commercial item. And yes, they were a well-known brand for it, but it's a commercial item. It's not the only one that can make it, but they had gotten so embedded with, oh, they're the only ones that can solve the problem. It made me kind of cynical about it, which that's where the small business specialist was very helpful because they were able to show six other companies that did the same thing. Let's flip to the industry side. Why does industry care about the, the concept of, of knowing when to contact the CEO? When should the contracting officer be involved? I saw a post on LinkedIn, I got a debate with somebody on LinkedIn, and they said, well, I don't talk to the contracting officer, I talk to the program manager because they're the ones that have the money. And and as we talked about, that's true, but the thing is, they can't spend it without the contracting officer. I don't want to make it sound like you have no relationship with the contracting officer because there, there are two pieces to this. There's the technical sale and the business sale. But until it's time to spend those dollars or fulfill the requirement, the CEO may not be talking to industry. 
that may only be facilitating others talking to industry. An RFI, an RFI is an example of that. RFI, I, I post it, but I'm not the one looking at every little piece of the responses. That's the evaluation team is, the engineers who understand all of the science behind it. That was an R&D one that I did. There's a lot of less formal engagement going on, especially for larger, more complex requirements. But, but even on the simple stuff, on the commercial buys, the contracting officer might be involved if it is something formal like an RFI. But there's a lot of conversations going on, not behind the scenes, but just going on about <laughs> right. how companies can solve the government's problem. Yeah, that's a good point. They're not behind the scenes. They're just happening. So contracting officers, do not be afraid if your technical people, your users, your CETAs are talking to industry all the time about random things. That's how we learn. Now, the ideal setup here from an industry perspective is to have all three deciders, the economic decider, the user, and the contracting officer all know who you are. However, early in the time zones, that's just not likely. It's not practical. So understand which ones to work with. And as we've talked about, the first thing you want to get is the technical sale. Then you start the business sale, which involves the contracting officer. But understand that order in the requirement, market research, and RFP zone is critical. It's sometimes spoken of as permission to win. If you've convinced the users that you can solve their requirement, when you get down to the actual source selection, it's a lot easier to be rated highly, have a favorable evaluation, if they already have decided that they like you and they want you your company, your product, to solve their problem. Before we get distracted by permission to win, let's wrap this one up. Different players care about different things at different times. As a CEO, I wanted competition. Who the competitors were was not, it was secondary to getting competition. <laughs> I wanted good competition, but I was my, my role is to execute a, a healthy program. Well, one of the elements of healthy is competition. It was normal that several offers that I had not heard of would submit proposals. Then I'd qualify their proposal based on the RFP and, and everybody else evaluating them, the rest of the team evaluating them. And then I would qualify their company per FAR Part 9 we talked about. But I might not have known who they were before they bid. On the government side, the CO's contact information is easy to get. Understand that. And, and maybe that's why you get spanned and put on email lists. I remember the number of emails I would get from random people who, other than just Googling government contracting officers. I have no idea why they would have any context and why they were sending me information, but it happened a lot. One company I'd heard of, they were bragging about the fact that they'd given one of their clients 600 names of contracting officers. Not very targeted. <laughs> it's like, wow, they got to listen to the targeting episodes because that's kind of a train wreck in a can. On the industry side, don't assume the person who's easy to find, the person who's most, the contact information that's most visible is the best person to start with, i.e. the contracting officer's name is listed on that RFI response. That doesn't mean start spamming them with questions. Understand who the users are, which, by the way, is done by targeting. Experienced companies know that, that this is not a reaction. This is a proactive process. Understand who ahead of the RFP cares about this requirement. Who at the, at the agency is the right person to be talking to? Who at that customer is the right person to, for you to talk to about the requirement and the eventual contract that's going to result? If you start with a contracting officer, they don't have a whole lot of information for you, and you're just going to probably annoy them. <laughs> like, we used to get annoyed. Going back to where we started, does the contracting officer need to know who you are? When is the best time to contact them? Anytime is an okay time to contact the contracting officer. They may not have time to talk to you, especially if you spam them or ask random questions. But if you engage with the contracting officer 
and say, I'm specifically interested in this acquisition. Who can I talk to? And give them an easy out to give you a name to get them off, uh, to get you off of their plate and over, over to somebody else. I always appreciated that. Here's the information I'm trying to get. Who should I talk to? You want to talk to Bob? Go over there and don't bother me again. <laughs> and, and that's done by targeting. If they're targeting your agency, they know what your agency needs. They're not, they're not just spamming you. If, if you work at an agency where you're buying, in your case, you're buying satellites and they're emailing you about vehicles, you're not going to reply. As opposed to if they're a satellite manufacturer and they know exactly what you guys do and they're just looking for someone to, to talk to about what the requirement might be for next year, that's somebody you might forward. The difference between those two while seems small, it's huge in how effective it is. That's where we'll end this one. All right. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Thanks for joining us for this Holiday Refresher episode. If you're struggling with when to contact the government and who to contact so that they buy from you, Skyway's team of former contracting officers is here to help. Give us a call at 877-884-5280 or visit skywayacq.com to learn more. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.